Has your mother ever said she doesn't want you going over to someone's house because she doesn't trust their family? Well, for the Bender family, the whole town did not trust them. The Bender family used the westward expansion post-Civil War to exploit travelers into falling victim for the murderous ways. This episode contains discussion of murder. Welcome to An Easy, a podcast hosted by Lexi and Cecilia. This podcast is a collection of research based on haunting and mysterious events that will leave you feeling genuinely uneasy. Discretion is advised. The 1870s were just years right after the Civil War had ended. It was fresh on everyone's mind. And this was a time where mediums and other spiritualists were actually really popular because families were trying to speak with the loved ones they had lost during the war. So America was now in a time of reconstruction and reunification in the middle of some great change during the Second Industrial Revolution, and millions of immigrants were starting to head into the United States. At the time, there was high fashion. A lot of people were traveling by carriage, steamboat, and railway. It was actually the time of the expansion across the Midwest from the coastlines, and railroads were continuing to rapidly expand. So the same thing that you guys think of during the Oregon Trail, this was all happening during the 1870s. Okay. So Kansas at the time was a lawless place. A lot of people actually called it Bleeding Kansas because there were so many gruesome battles between those that were still pro-slavery and those that were anti And the territory itself became a state in 1861, but it was barely governed by the United States. It did not have the same laws that the 13, like, original states had. There was sometimes a sheriff that would be elected or a judge, but they were often corrupt, always outnumbered, and no one just ever really listened to them. So it was more just like a figurehead in the towns than anything else. That sounds like a Wild West movie, essentially. It was. the Past the East Coast, everything like at this time, because the United States was still expanding and just getting back on its feet, there was not a lot of discipline happening. And just a couple years prior, in 1862, the Homestead Act was actually passed, which would provide 160 acres to any male that paid a small fee and that would live on their property for a little bit of time. So a lot of people from the East Coast moved out West for this and even people from Europe at the time to get 160 acres. Yeah, 160 acres is no joke. That's a lot of land. Yeah. So in October of 1870, a couple families actually created this township called Orsage, which is in Kansas in the northwestern part. So one of the families in this township was called the Bender family. The male that moved to get the 160 acres was John Bender Sr. And he was accompanied by his son, John Bender Jr. So the land that they registered was adjacent to the Great Orsage Trail, And back then, it was a really well-known Native American trail that went through the countryside of the Midwest. 
it actually became part of the Santa Fe Trail in the 1820s. So this was a like really travel trail. The Santa Fe Trail goes from Missouri to Santa Fe, New Mexico. And it was actually kind of like a commercial highway during until the 1880s. Because, again, we're still getting those railroads and everything that's being built across the Midwest. The Bender father and son, they built themselves a cabin, a barn, a corral, and a well. And then after they had finally established themselves on this land, they were accompanied by the wife, Evela, and the daughter, Kate. The cabin, once they arrived, was converted into two bedrooms using a wagon cover. One room was the family's bedroom, and then the other one was actually turned into like a general store, cooking, and eating area. So they thought the best way to make money at the time was to advertise their store. They placed a wooden sign out front, again, their right beside the Santa Fe Trail, which was like a highway. People in the town thought that they were mainly selling things to get by, but they were actually stealing other people's horses on the trail as they would pass by. Oh. And then selling the horses. Oh. To make the most profit. And that's like a big deal to steal somebody's horse. Especially if you're traveling all the way from like northeast United States to potentially Santa Fe, New Mexico, and your horse is stolen in Kansas. You're not getting very far. No, you're not getting very far at all. And horses are expensive. Yeah, especially back then. Um, and then a lot of families came under hardship during like the Civil War and everything. So to lose a horse was a really, really big deal. The family being a thief was just like one of the mysteries that surrounded them. Little was known about them. And actually, all we have today are accounts from other people that were families that lived in the same town as them, or travelers of the trail. So John Benyer Sr. was born in the early 1810s. He actually didn't speak English. He would just speak to everyone in grunts. Oh, like through his adulthood? Yes. Um, so he was very standoffish in town. No one actually really approached him, but that worked for him because... He would just grin on you anyways, so. Interesting. Okay. So, the United States knows him as John Bender Sr. However, on May 23rd, 1873, a news piece did an article on the family due to headlines that they had made, and he was identified as William Bender and also John Flickinger. So, John Bender Sr., His actual name is unknown. His age is unknown. If he speaks in English is unknown. This family and this man is completely surrounded in mystery. That's so sketchy. It gets even more interesting. Avira Bender, the mother, she was also born in the late 1810s. And she also spoke little English. She wanted herself to be hated by the rest of the town. She made an effort to be, like, rude to everyone what? in this town so they would leave her alone. They called her the she-devil. I mean, 
That just sounds like, I mean, something that somebody would do if they just didn't want anybody to try to get close to them. But that's just so crazy to think about that somebody was doing that back in the 1800s, you know? Yeah. So for their son, John Bender Jr., he was born in the late 1840s, and he actually spoke perfect English, but with a German accent. How does that happen when both of your parents speak little to no English? How he learned English is unknown, but the Bender family was actually widely believed to be German immigrants, and that's how John got his accent. There's no documentation or even proof of their immigrant status other than their accents, and there's actually no proof that any of these family members are even related to each other. Interesting. Okay. For John Bender, a lot of people suspected that he actually had a mental disorder since he was socially awkward and he would just constantly be laughing. But he used his attractiveness to get a lot of what he needed in the town and society, as well as Kate Bender, the daughter. She was born just a couple years after John, and she spoke perfect English as well, just with a faint accent. Kate, again, was gorgeous. She was a self-proclaimed healer and psychic, and she would distribute flyers around the trail advertising her supernatural abilities and her ability to cure illnesses. She had conducted many seances. People would visit her on the trail just for her to conduct a seance. And she actually gave lectures on spiritualism at a nearby school. And during her lecture, she would advocate for free love. Wow. Her free love view went into her own sibling, John. A lot of people in the town actually said that they were really close oh, to each no. other, almost as they were dating. Oh, no. So it's unknown if they were just, like, socially awkward in the sense that, like, people did think that John had a mental disability, but Kate also was a very big advocate of love whoever you want, but also there's no proof that they were even related. Uh, I still don't. I don't know. It's giving Lannisters from Game of Thrones. I don't know. <laughs> um, so Kate's popularity was a large attraction into bringing people into the Benders Inn slash grocery store. The grocery store itself never really had a bunch of produce there, like maybe a can or two. But people would see the sign and come in. And then they would receive a home-cooked meal by Kate or the mother. And then they would end up probably usually just staying the night due to how late it was by the time they were arriving. In May 1871, the same year that the mother and daughter arrived to Kansas, the first body connected to the family was found. He was a man on the trail with his skull crashed and his throat cut. The man was only referred to as Jones. And then less than a year later, in February of 1972, the same injuries that were found with Joan 
were found on two other bodies on the trail. There's no proof at this point who could possibly be the suspect. There, Kansas is a lawless area, and three people dying is really just not that surprising. Yeah, I was going to say it probably didn't even trigger any, like, alarms. Like, they probably just thought these guys were mugged and or, you know, got into a fight with someone over, like, a territory or a disagreement over, like, a few beers or something. So I'm not surprised that it didn't raise any alarms for anybody. Yes, there were a lot of thieves in this area, um, the benders being them themselves, and also there's a lot of people don't like their families aren't able to really determine where they like went missing because at this time there's no cell phones no gps tracking in the same like at all and just because three people died at this time the bender family is still having a lot of people visit them and other people during this time, do report that their house smells really weird and there's a lot of flies circulating, but there's just no, like, nothing that's ever done about it. There's no sheriffs yeah. to report to. It's the 1800s. Like, it's not going to be clean anywhere. Exactly. And, like, a lot of travelers are then treated to a home-cooked meal, so... The thought of something gross at the end of the day just kind of surpasses them when you've been traveling on dirt roads for days on end. In 1872, a man by Greg Newton Longcorn left Kansas with his infant daughter, Marianne, to resettle in Iowa. However, they were never seen again. And by this time, by 1873, there were a lot of reports that People were missing along this trail and specifically in the area the Bender family was living in. So people were actually avoiding this trail by the time. And the area was known for the horses and villains. What people did not realize is that those horses and villains were usually the Bender family. For the other thieves in this area, they would actually arrest some of the people that were quote unquote disappeared and then just release them later when they got the money or anything else that they needed. So Greg Newton Longcorn, when he disappeared in 1872, his neighbor, Dr. William Henry York, actually went looking for him a year later and was questioning people along the trail trying to find him. That's nice of him. That's a good neighbor. Yeah, my neighbors would never do that for me. <laughs> I don't think my neighbors know my name, to be honest. <laughs> so on March 9th, Dr. William Henry York was on his way actually back home from visiting people on the trail. And that's when he was passing by the Bender family. And so on his way home, he never ended up showing up when he was supposed to. So the disappearance called Dr. York's brother to go looking for him. His brother was a colonel in the army during the Civil War and was really adamant on finding his brother. He knew that his brother just wasn't going to disappear and that his brother was trained properly to survive on a trail. His brother knew Dr. York's route and so he went and retraced it. 
His brother actually brought 50 men with him for just like safety and everything. Um, just showing like how powerful the York family really was. And then they actually questioned every single traveler on the trail wow. and visited every single homestead. First of all, 50 people to bring with you is a lot to get 50 people to leave their homes to come with you to look for your brother is awesome. Um, but then to like stop every traveler that they meet along the way, they're really on a hunt and they believe deep in their bones that William York wouldn't just disappear like that. And Colonel York was really like the first person that was able to show that there was truly something wrong with the trail. Other families had reported that their spouses or family members were missing like along the trail, but it wasn't that uncommon at the time. So please just kind of like brush it off. But with the power and influence that Colonel York had, he was trying to bring results and figure out what the heck was actually going on. So on March 28th, 1873, Colonel York arrived to the Bender's home. He explained to the family that his brother had gone missing and asked if they'd seen him. And they actually admitted that they had. They said that they stayed, he stayed with the family and... They suggested that he had actually probably just run into Indians that would be in the area and the Indians took him. So Colonel York agreed that that could have possibly been an option and he actually just stayed for dinner and talked with the family. And then on April 3rd, Colonel York returned back to the Bender home with armed men. So the woman on the trail informed Colonel York that Bender had threatened her with knives and she was actually fleeing from the Bender home. Oh, so that like tipped off red flags in the colonel's head to be like, no, he didn't just, you're suspicious. He probably didn't just stay with you. Yeah. So Colonel York was like, okay, we have to go back and figure out like the Bender family is up to something. Um, and Miss Bender said, like, signed essentially and grunted that she did not understand English. And then John Bender Jr. was adamantly denying the claim that they had any involvement on the disappearance of Dr. York. Colonel York would not leave the home. He was so adamant that they had something to do with his brother's disappearance. And that made Miss Bender so mad. She said in perfect English that she was a witch and she was going to curse them. Oh. Which is so interesting because Miss Bender doesn't speak English. No. So that is just tips off Colonel York even more because they're like, okay. She's been knowing English this whole time. She's been using it to her leverage to say that she doesn't. People are feeling comfortable around her spe- talking about her because they think that she doesn't understand it. She must be hiding something else. But at the time, Colonel York doesn't have anything to like hold her to. And Kate, the daughter, asks him to leave 
and to return Friday night. She says that she has her clairvoyant abilities and she's going to help him find his brother. So the men with Colonel York are convinced that the Bender family and actually the neighbors of the Benders are guilty and wanted to hang them all. But Colonel York insisted that they must find the evidence and he was going to come back to Kate for her supposed clairvoyant abilities. I just had to like double take on what you just said, that they just wanted to hang all of them because they thought that they were guilty. Like I forgot for a second that we were talking about the 1800s and that that was like (laughs) a typical thing that happened. I literally had to do a double take. It just shows how like lawless in a different like time this is because it is a colonel that's doing all of the investigation himself. There's no cop helping anywhere. There's these people doing seances and yeah, it literally sounds like mediums, a movie, <laughs> like a yeah. Wild West movie, something that has to do with like a mixture of Little House on the Prairie. That's the vibes I'm getting. Interesting you say Little House on the Prairie. Um, so the Little House on the Prairie actually mentions this family a decent amount. I did not know that. Yeah. Interesting. I'll have to ask my mom if she's heard it. Shout out my mom. (laughs) She watches Little House on the Prairie. So at the same time that Colonel York was trying to get more evidence to hang the benders, the neighboring communities were making accusations that the Osage community was responsible for all the disappearances that were happening on the trail. And they were really upset about the Osage community because people stopped using the trail. And of course that's going to affect all the businesses that are in the nearby communities. Oh yeah. I mean, if people are not using the trail in total, it's not like they could just, it's not like an interstate where they could just take an exit and avoid that community. So it's going to, essentially stop business for so many people i can understand why they're mad yeah so the Osage town had arranged a a meeting in a schoolhouse and this is like the same schoolhouse that the bender children were attending and kate was giving lectures at um just schoolhouse like in the town and 75 locals had actually attended the meeting so essentially everyone was there And part of the attendance actually included Colonel York and both of the male benders. So John Bender Sr. and John Bender Jr. After discussing the disappearances of everyone, including Dr. York, they had agreed that each home was to be searched. So every home in Osage was to be searched. And the whole community would take part in this. Okay. Right after this meeting was held, there was a huge snowstorm. So a couple days had passed before these searches were even supposed to take place. And during the snowstorm, a farmer actually noticed that the Bender house was vacant and that animals had not been fed in a long time. 
So on per- further investigation, it's noticed that the Bender family has completely fled. Oh, that's not suspicious at all. Yeah, they like only take a couple items and the home is just completely left. So the township also thinks that it's suspicious and wonders what the Bender family was hiding. So they call for volunteers and actually several hundred people turn up to look for the Bender family. So everyone in the nearby towns and everyone in their own town. Wow. Um, I feel like it was personal at that point. Like they were like, you've messed with like my business, which directly affects like my livelihood. So they were probably like, I think it's you. And, and now you're like leaving. Like, no. So I'm not surprised. And so no one likes Miss Bender. Right. Yeah. Everyone hates her. So they're like, oh, give me another reason to hate you. Um, the couple hundred does include Colonel York and his posse, but still a significant number. Um, and then when the party arrives to the house, they see that there's no food, no clothing, and no personal possessions, but they do notice a really bad odor. Oh, gosh. So this is the same odor that other people on the trail have noticed, but however, this time it is not covered up by fresh food that is on the stove. So they go and try to find the exact source of the odor and they notice that there is a trap door underneath a bed and it's nailed shut. Oh my gosh. After opening the trap door, the party found clotted blood on the floor of an empty room that's underneath the house. Well, was it just blood that was in there? No bodies were found. It was determined that the smell was from the blood that they found, and they suspected that the whole, that all the soil was actually soaked with blood, and that's why it wasn't absorbing anymore. Oh my gosh, that just made my stomach, like, turn. That has to be so much blood. So much blood that it wouldn't soak up and I can't. <laughs> I can't even talk about it. So hundreds of volunteers actually physically lift the cabin and move it to the side. So like those videos of the Amish where we of see the Amish. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happened. Because there's no technology back then. Um however they did not find any bodies buried underneath the house. They still think like very concerned why they found so much blood. So they began probing the ground around the cabin with a metal rod. And they're looking for disturbed soil um, in any of their 160 acres. So during the search, they were really successful in actually finding people. They found Dr. York's body. And his feet were actually buried just below the surface like you can almost see his toes they did not care about fully burying these bodies that's so sad i feel like almost like the colonel expected that something like that had happened to his brother so it probably provided him a a sense of closure if not i mean i'm sure he was surprised and heartbroken but i feel like he kind of knew that something had happened i agree 
They also found another nine suspected graves. And by this time, it was midnight. They didn't have any flashlights at this time, just like kerosene lamps. So they all decided to come back in the morning. And the next morning, they found another eight bodies. These were buried in seven of the nine suspected graves that they found the day before. Eight bodies is a lot. This is not including the three bodies that were found in 1871. Oh, yeah. The three that we initially thought were not connected to anything and we weren't surprised that it wasn't raising any alarms. So the reason those three are now connected to the Bender family murders is because they all followed the same MO. They all had their heads bashed in with a hammer and their throat cuts. The only person that did not have these same injuries was a young girl. She was found with no external injuries, and it was suspected that she was actually buried alive. In addition to these bodies being found, there was a number of body parts that they actually found in their acreage as well. And these body parts don't match who was found already, and it leads them to believe that there are many, many more bodies connected to the family. Oh my gosh. There's probably like... At that time, there's literally no way to keep a record of how many missing people there truly are in an area, I feel like. Maybe a small area, but not like nationwide. And with the installation of railroads and you know, so many people fleeing from the East Coast and spreading out. I'm sure there were so many people who were just trying to find a new way of life and they were probably victims of this family. So when I say that there are several body parts, that leads them to believe that there are numerous more bodies. You can, even though there's not advanced technology at the time, the coroners are still able to understand almost all like the gender of a person and kind of the age through their bones so if you have five left hands of course that's five more people but if those left hands are all for young individuals and then you find a femur of a six-foot man you are able to conclude that there is an additional body found so No one actually knows how they were able to kill their victims. Their victims were just travelers looking for a hot meal and a place to stay. And it was believed that while they were sitting at the table eating their hot meal, they were sitting on top of that trap door that was found. The victim's back would be against the curtain that was separating the two rooms. And Kate would distract the guests talking to them, doing something while one of the male benders would then reach behind the curtain and shark the guest on the side of the head with a hammer. Wow. That, like, they really were very orchestrated. Like, they had a plan. This was a whole family effort. Yeah. They did it as a team, and they even buried the bodies as a team. The... One woman would cut the victim's throat to ensure death, and then the body would be then dropped through the trap door. And then once in the cellar, the body would be stripped and buried on the property. 
there was no eco- economic motive found for the family. They didn't really keep anything. It was mainly just a family affair of pleasure. I was going to ask, like, I just don't understand why they were doing it. But it seems like they were just genuinely, like, all four of them just loved the kill, is what it sounds like. So, instead of playing board games as a normal family, they were killing people and that's what they enjoyed. Were they even a real family? Like, I, that makes me so suspicious now. That is also one thing that's really important. Did they, did this unknown family have a murdering spree in potentially Germany before they came to the United States? They had found each other then, then came over, found this great opportunity. They knew that there was a lawless land that they could accompany and live on. And so that's exactly what they did. That is a high possibility. So 11 corpses were found, but it is believed that 20 people were actually murdered by the family. This number could be higher. Um, It does include the body parts of those that did not belong to the victims that were discovered. After the bodies were found, the family did escape successfully. There were tickets that were found for John Bender Jr. and Kate to Texas. And one detective says that they tracked them across the border. For the parents, they think that they only people think that they only made it as far as Kansas City, which is not in Kansas to note. Um, and then other reports have stated appearances of this family through time. This family took national news, so there were multiple vigilante groups that came looking for them. All of them say that they captured them and murdered them. Obviously, that cannot be true. So the story is unknown if they even were captured by any of them. Other families in the town were actually arrested for the connection to the murder. So as Colonel York suspected that the neighbors were connected, they were. They... The families were the ones that actually disposed of their valuables, showing that the Bender family had no interest in them, and then other families would then take them. And actually, one of their neighbors forged a letter from one of the victims back to their family, stating that they were like still on the trail and they were traveling. Wow. Okay. Ostrich Town had more secrets than just the Bender family. While the Bender family took the most joy from murdering everyone, it did become a local affair and though the other families may not have fully known the extent of what was happening they did partake to some extent so people actually believe that the family escaped and became the keller family years later the keller family was a family of serial killers who operated near a Kansas town called Oak City between August and December 1887, so just several years after the Bender family escaped. The family consisted of a husband, William Kelly, which was 55, his wife Kate, his son Bill, who was 20, and their daughter Kit, which was 18. The family was believed to have originally been from Pennsylvania, and they murdered 11 wealthy travelers on the road. 
That sounds like a little bit more than a coincidence to me. They both operated in Kansas and just years apart. The only difference is that Kit was supposedly a little bit younger than what Kate was. So both also have the same K name, which is interesting. Um, But it is unknown what happened to the Bender family or if they are the Kelly family, but one can guess. For the final story of the Bender family, we may never know. Did the family assume an alias to murder again? Were they actually even a family? Or did they split ways after they ran in 1973? One thing is for sure, though, and that is that they were responsible for the deaths of at least 11 people. Join us next week as we cover Sarah Boone, the woman who is accused of leaving her boyfriend in a suitcase to die. With her trial set to start in April, we will be covering the story prior, from her past to the incriminating videos, and even weigh in on what we think could happen in court. Make sure to tune in wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.